0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Three Extremes from 2004. This is an anthology film directed by Fruit Chan, Park Chan-wook, and Takashi Miike, written by Park Chan-wook, Haruko Fukushima, and pikwa Lee, starring Miriam Young, Ling, and Lee Byung-hun, Im-Wan-hee, and Kyoko Hasagawa. In this film, featuring three separate segments, a woman goes through great lengths to reverse the cosmetic effects of aging, a man and his wife are held hostage, and a woman confronts a tragic event from her childhood as a circus performer. This one, oh wait, if you're new to the show, we're not going to spoil anything until about 20 minutes in. First, we're going to have some spoiler-free background discussion on the movie. At that point, we'll take a little break and play transition music, and that is the transition into spoiler mode. So, once you hear that music, if you don't want things spoiled, you can duck out and go watch this on Tubi, Voodoo, Pluto. I think a few other free ad based streamers have it. So, you can go check it out. And this was recently requested by Bang Bang Bill. And it came at the right time. At the confluence of my own reflections on the show lately, and thinking that number one, we haven't covered many foreign films lately, right? It's been a long time. I can't remember the last one.
1: Me neither. Unless you count uh, this guy, the Canadian Cronenberg's. Cronenberg?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't consider Canadian films foreign films. Maybe I should, but
1: yeah, (laughs) it's great. (laughs) Uh,
0: Number two, I just feel like we got to keep making some dents in our. Ever-growing request list.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And number three, I feel like in the early days we used to take more chances on obscure films, and perhaps don't do that quite as much as we used to. Mm. Yeah. This isn't an obscure film for a certain type of horror fan, but I'm guessing a lot of our listeners even either haven't heard of it or haven't seen it. Yeah, I I
1: definitely fall into that category. I hadn't heard of it or seen it.
0: Yeah, and it's streaming, so I, I figure I hope there's a lower barrier to entry for people to go check it out. Sure. Had you heard about it before? I had heard of this. Yeah. Um, In like don't, what context? I don't remember the context. I just, I knew that it existed and I knew that it was an Asian anthology. Ah, Okay. And I think some of these directors are a bit notable um, on the foreign horror, Asian horror scene and when I was putting together my little nerd nubometer, I have a certain amount of Korean movies you got to see and Japanese movies you got to see. So I think in doing some research for putting that together, I probably stumbled upon some of these directors.
1: Yeah. At least two of them have like pretty wildly known, highly acclaimed films. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, it's three countries. Um, Fruit Chan, Fruit Chan is <laughs> from Hong Kong. Park Chan Wook is from South Korea, and Takashi Miike is from Japan. And there's this subgenre. So not only is this an anthology film, I would put it in that subgenre, also known as a portmanteau. I recently read an argument by somebody who suggested that we call movies from different directors omnibus movies. (laughs) Omnibus. I think that's how you pronounce that word. O m n i b u s. (laughs) Yeah. Omnibus? Omnibus,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: is, omnibus, is that better? I think that's uh, the way I've heard it, but... What a I, role reversal here. I know. All right, Omnibus. <laughs> I like Omni. <laughs> omnibus. Yes. Yeah. The bus that takes you to the hotel. <laughs> exactly. Um, that anthologies, essentially, is what we should call movies done by the same director, like a trick-or-treat or a creep show. And Omnibus is what we should call movies from different... Dire- Segments from different directors. Mm, so, like, VHS would fall into that latter category? Yeah. What do you think of that? Do you, I mean, it, I feel like they should just be all called anthologies, but it is interesting to have, like, an obvious differentiator between movies that are different directors and movies that are all from the same guy. Or yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Yeah, I've never even, like,
1: thought about that difference, and I think a part of me just assumed it's always been different directors uh, because I'm so used to, like, the VHS model. But... Um, yeah, that that's so weird. Do you, I I feel like I prefer the ones with different directors cuz then it feels like you're getting different flavors and uh the anthology format like supports that a little better um versus like if you're one director why shoot a movie with uh small films like yeah w- w- why do like a trick or treat or um other what what are the other ones you mentioned? Creepshow. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: Black Sabbath.
1: Are you just uh... saying to yourself that like you have these ideas, but none of them are worthy enough of being a feature film, and you're just
0: gonna make a bunch of little things together. Sure, maybe. Or I think some of them feel pretty cohesive too. Like I think Creepshow and Mortuary Collection, a recent one that was done all by the same director. Yeah, they have a certain cohesion to them that other. Omnibus movies don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier to be cohesive when you're the same guy doing all of them. But right. I, I, right. <laughs> I, I I, would argue that you actually get a better impact when you have multiple directors and still like some kind of thematic tie, which I feel like we have with this one. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe like the VHSs and stuff like the, you have to be more creative in terms of how you time things together. So it seems like more a challenge and more reward
0: on, on that side. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'd be interested, too, to hear how the thematic ties between all three of these, because I couldn't quite pinpoint it. Oh, okay. I'll pinpoint it for you. <laughs> all right, great. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll sharpen my pinpoint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's see. Yeah, I think the last anthology we reviewed was Creepshow oh, in okay. no, back in November. And who, and who who? was that again? Who directed uh, that? George Romero. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. That was... I'm not disappointed in you, but I know a certain segment (laughs) of the listeners are, so I was allowing them to feel their emotions through me.
1: Thanks. (laughs) I think they appreciate Uh,
0: that. (laughs) And I am on the record as being a pretty big fan of anthologies. Ashwin, you're so-so, a mixed
1: bag? Uh, Mixed bag. I mean, I I loved, like, the VHSs and um, maybe that was it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, what was the one? Was it South? Southbound. Southbound. Yeah, th- I thought that was a decent one. I rewatched that a while ago. That's different directors, right? That's different directors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. G- generally, I, I feel like they're they're cool, and uh, I think we've talked about like how horror works really well in that format because it's it's like shorter, quick stories that are just like there to spook you.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like VHS is, if not your entry into found f- or uh, not found footage anthology films, it's kind of like your your quintessential.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's like the biggest one out there, I think.
0: Still need to review that movie.
1: Which one? The Oh, the original?
0: Any of the VHS movies we still haven't covered.
1: Yeah, I know. I feel like 10 came out in like
0: the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Right. Um, This anthology is maybe a little bit unique in that there's no framing story that like we return to between each segment. Uh, there are... Perhaps a thematic connection uh, that we can talk about in the review. But other than that, they don't really take place in the same world. There's no other real connection between these. Um, And not all, but some anthologies have a bit of a playful or campy tone. The VHS franchise is something that runs a bit darker and kind of breaks that rule. But Mm -hmm. I think this is another one that kind of runs a bit darker. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Do you think we're just so used to Hollywood anthologies that like, that's what we've kind of come to expect from them. And this is kind of like the first foreign anthology that we're looking at. uh, And so we're, we're confronted
0: with like a different tone. Perhaps. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen, I don't know if I'd call stuff like VHS and Southdown Hollywood. I mean, it's, those are some like independent producers being scrappy and putting something out there, but yeah, we're used to U.S. anthologies. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I, I just, uh, I. Do you ever feel like when you're watching foreign films, uh, there's just like a different method of storytelling or like different focus compared to like what we're used to here on on the U.S. market side?
0: Yeah, for sure. Does it feel a little bit less mass market?
1: Yeah, feels less mass market, and like a lot of those anthologies, like the VHSs, uh, creep shows, and stuff, uh, anthology wise, uh, horror in general. I feel like can rely on like super uh or supernatural or like jump scares or de- demonic things and uh just yeah it's interesting to see this film which i don't think goes into any of that territory does it
0: yeah not really not at all yeah it's pretty it, grounded in
1: reality for right, the most part yeah which i i feel like a lot of foreign films are more grounded than uh us hollywood films tend to be
0: yeah and um this specifically i think you could lump this into this subgenre There's a subgenre I saw known as extreme Asia films, Hmm. uh, which just extremely violent, taboo subject matter. It seems like they're largely the ones that get talked about a lot are from around the year 2000 on, but there's definitely some 80s, 90s, older ones too. Any films Uh, you recognize in there? You know, I started compiling a list and then I, I don't think I ever finished, but like some from these directors are, I think, considered some of that. Like Ichi the Killer from Takashi Mike, Audition from Takashi Mike, I think could go under those. They're also sometimes known as Cat 3 films or Category 3 films, which I think is their... Are I think Hong Kong's version of like an NC-17. Mm, okay. But people sometimes, probably Westerners specifically... Lump in any extreme Asian content as category three. Sure, yeah, ah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do you think
1: um, this coming out in two thousand four? Uh, I mean, like that was kind of like when J Horror started to take off around in the U.S. Uh, any correlation there? to like uh, the timing of this movie and like why it was why it came out this time.
0: I do think that Ringu and its U.S. remake, The Ring. Ringu was 1998, I believe, and The Ring was 99, I think. I do think that was a bit of a boon to Asian filmmaking in general and Asian horror movies in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting, too, because I feel like both France, some of these Asian countries, and the U.S., all around this time were getting just more extreme and violent in their content, it seems. Oh, yeah. Or if they were always doing it, it became more viewed and more talked about, or maybe just easier to share the knowledge of in the post-internet world. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask
1: if you thought it was like, uh, I think on Wrong Turn, you mentioned like maybe a lot of this is like post 9-11 interest. But uh, yeah, also the internet was booming then too, so it was easier to share stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the US, I think a lot of film scholars and stuff have tied the extreme torture porn movement type stuff to 9-11, in France, they've tied it to, I think, a conservative regime and an influx of um, migrants and immigrants and stuff. I don't know what the, the source of it is in Asia. And maybe I'm wrong. My understanding from reading on this was that it, you know, right around the 2000s is when this stuff started picking up. But I, I definitely saw older movies on the list too. So maybe it's nothing new mm. in, yeah. in Asia. But sure. So much of this episode, it, background info is just purely from what I researched for this, because I am not very familiar with Asian horror. and But this is a good kickoff. I, I'd like to get more into it. I've got some movies from these directors on my watch list. Me too. Uh, Audition
1: is one I feel like uh, I've heard about before. Um, that's kind of a torture one?
0: Yeah, I actually watched Audition with uh, Steve Markley for the first time. Oh, cool. An only time. I probably won't <laughs> see that good. movie unless we review it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that guy's got quite uh, a reputation, uh, Takashi. Takashi Miki, yeah, so he's a Japanese filmmaker. He directed the segment called Box, the last segment in this. Uh, he's probably best known to US horror fans as the, re- the director of Audition, and he also did Ichi the Killer from 2001, which is supposed to be very violent. So he's got the biggest reputation for extreme films of the bunch, from what I understand. And kind of, it sounds like he purposefully tests the boundaries of censorship.
1: Mm, Yeah, definitely. Uh, I read uh, he did a short for Masters of Horror, that TV show, um, and it was removed because it was too extreme, even though that TV show, I think, was, or that, yeah, it was supposed to be, like, uh, allowing directors freedom to, you know, put out whatever they want, but his stuff was just too crazy.
0: I read the same, yeah, and it was Showtime, and this part of the draw was like, "Hey, come here, directors! You can make these TV things, but yeah. without the limits of TV, you know, do do whatever you want." And then yeah. they're like, "Never mind, <laughs> Takashi, <laughs> yeah. Takashi, Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you get like the DVD or whatever of the Masters of Horror, his his segment is on there. Wow, oh, I'm really um, curious. I know, I am too. I, then I saw a quote from Mick Garris, uh, who. I think had at least one or two stories in Masters of Horror or was maybe a producer or an EP on it. He might have been like behind the whole thing. He said it was like one of the, probably the most extreme thing he ever watched. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that really got me. Damn. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Um, But his segment here is probably the most gentle of the three, and he's also made, like, kids movies. So it sounds like he's a versatile (laughs) filmmaker at the same time. I know. I think he's, like, done a lot of anime, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm, curious. I'm going to try to watch Ichi the Killer very soon. Okay, that's not a horror film, right? Probably action? I can't tell if it's... I think it's, like, a horror-action hybrid. Oh, okay. Maybe one of those movies that's, like, an action movie considered horror just because it's so over-the-top violent yeah
1: cool I checked that out
0: yeah Uh, fruit chan who um, is the first director showcased in the anthology with his segment dumplings is a Hong Kong filmmaker who broke out in 1997 with a drama called made in Hong Kong Uh, I can't pretend to know anything of his work but I read from a journalist Kate Whitehead who said his films offer a raw often bleak view of life of Hong Kong's working class I think you can see that a little bit in dumplings. Yeah, for sure. Um, dumplings lot. also exists as a standalone film. Came out the same year, right? Uh, yeah, was it the same year? I think so. Yeah. And just expanded some sub subplot- some plots and it has a different ending.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Be curious to watch that too. Yeah. Were you? Uh, did you recognize anyone in that one? Bailing Ling
0: from The Crow.
1: Yes. <laughs> I was so
0: excited when I saw her name. <laughs> it's so wild because this isn't really a spoiler for the segment, just the premise. There's a woman who's looking to rejuvenate her appearance and look younger. And so she goes to this woman who kind of like has the secret to aging. And it's Bei Ling, who looks exactly the same as she did in The Crow from 1994, 30 years later. I have to wonder if that was a pretty purposeful choice for that character. Wait, 10 years later, right? Oh, yeah. This was only... (laughs) This is not now. I'm not in now. (laughs) Is this now right now? (laughs) Wait. Are we we in now now? That is so... Weird of my brain because this whole time I was like, I can't believe it, thirty years later he still looks okay. But yeah, it's only- <laughs> oh Brian, what is what has gone on? Math is weird, man. Oh man, but she still looks really good for be for ten years later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Me I, trying yeah. to salvage my point as I scramble to understand <laughs> how <laughs> how, how I even did that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, as soon as her name popped up on screen, I, I got really excited. I, I think. Uh, I'm a fan of her after the crap, that's one of the highlights from that movie for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, she's great. Um, then Park Chan-wook directed the segment titled Cut, the middle segment, and he's a prominent South Korean filmmaker, perhaps best known for his Vengeance trilogy, which includes the films Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance from 2002, Old Boy from 2003, which I often hear mentioned but have still never seen. And Lady Vengeance from two thousand five, and he recently won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival for his twenty twenty two film, Decision to Leave. Whoa, cool!
1: Have you heard of Old Boy? I've heard of Old Boy, man. Same thing. Like everyone is like, "Oh, you got to see!" It. It's like one of the best movies, but I, I've never seen it. We should watch it uh, sometime. Yeah, we should. I think it's a horror. Wait, actually, I don't think it's a horror movie. But I think I think you're right. It's a revenge or something.
0: Yeah, I think we could watch it together, or maybe do a Patreon on it or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely been on the list for a while. Oh, man, did I he... still just cannot believe I thought I was <laughs> watching a movie 30 years after The Crow. <laughs>
1: was, I could see where, where you got that from. Um, hey, uh, did he do Snowpiercer? I think he did Snowpiercer, right? I think you're right. I Yeah, I know he was a producer on the show, and I, I feel like 90% confident he... Uh, did Snowpiercer, which is also a really cool movie. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. Oh, that's, a, that's a fun one.
0: Well, speaking of percentages, uh, this has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but that critic score comes from only five critics. So oh, boy. It's about to that. come from seven. <laughs> it's about to be seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so take that for the grain of salt. 51% from users. Uh, I didn't see a budget for this. The box office I saw reported anywhere from five hundred thousand to one point five million. Uh, just not a whole lot of great info out there on this movie that I could find. Um,
1: I'm, I'm actually surprised there was a box office. Like you got so many movies coming out uh, in that part of the world. Like I'm surprised this one made it to
0: the U.S. I know. I am too. Um, but it did have some success over here, and especially I think afterwards on DVD. Mm. And it's actually a sequel to a 2002 anthology that was simply titled Three. Mm -hmm. But Three was not released in America, but then, since this film gathered some notoriety in America, they released it, the original, as Three Extremes (laughs) 2. After this film had some success in the U.S. So the original was Three, the sequel was Three, Ellipses, Extremes, Extremes, yeah. And then <laughs> the original like, was released in the U.S. as three extremes, too. That's awesome. <laughs> I love Pretty that. wild journey. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and if anybody has trouble finding this, if you're going to search for it and watch it before we get into the spoilers, there's a space in between the ellipses and extremes. Is that how oh. ellipses
1: normally work? Um. Yeah. I th- oh, shit. I don't know. I always put a period at the end of ellipses. Uh, pe- so
0: four periods?
1: Yeah. Like, I, I never know how to use it. You never use an ellipses like in the middle of a sentence, I mean, right? I guess I just end a sentence with ellipses. Right? With like three dots and then a period, right?
0: Although sometimes if I'm trying to convey a pause, I'll do three dots, three dots and then begin the word again. That's begin just, the sentence anew with a lowercase letter. That's just bad writing. Like
1: how, you can't throw an ellipses like in into the sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. Can can you? Like, I, I can't think. Well, I mean, I don't do it in
0: like a business email, but you know, chatting with friends or whatever on, on, text message or social media. Is it meant to
1: like imply like uh, and like use your imagination or something? Or, Uh,
0: I think I I usually use it as a pause for comedic effect.
1: Oh, okay, and then you just pick up right after that. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh man. I feel pretty dumb this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the team, man.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Finally, we're at the same level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any more uh, background info to share? Uh,
1: no, I, I think you had everything I had. When you were talking about genres, uh, do you think psychological horror pl- takes a role here? In one of the segments, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Uh, not supernatural, though. Um, Okay, yeah. All right. No, I I don't have anything else.
0: All right. Well, Alex gave us an Ohio connection. Uh, Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us, and he owns the Jukebox Bar in Cleveland, Ohio, so go check out Jukebox, get some drinks and some delicious food if you're in the area. And Alex says, Three Extremes is an anthology horror film consisting of three individual segments, from three different East Asian countries, Dumplings from China, Box from Japan, and Cut from South Korea. Dumplings stars Chinese-American actress Bei Ling, known for her work in the films The Crow, Crank High Voltage, and Wild Wild West, as well as TV shows Entourage and Lost. Lost was a science fiction drama about the survivors of a plane crash stranded on a mysterious island, It starred, among others, Matthew Fox, best known previously as the eldest brother on TV's Party of Five. On August 28th, 2011, Fox was accused of assaulting a female bus driver in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Damn. (laughs) I didn't know she was in Lost. That's, That's kind of a big deal. I didn't realize that either. I did not watch that show, and I have no interest in it. Me neither, yeah. I, it's just impressive that
1: she's had like, such a big uh, Hollywood crossover. She's probably the best uh, known in Hollywood out of anyone in this film, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I think so. I didn't research the other actors very well, though. Okay, yeah, she's the only name I recognize. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Alex clarified that charges were later dropped, by the way, oh, against okay. Matthew Fox. Okay,
1: so he's an okay guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have, how do you even get accused of assaulting a female bus driver in Cleveland, Ohio? I think it's odd. <laughs> no offense to anybody that rides the bus, but I feel like it's odd that a big actor who presumably has a decent amount of money would be riding a bus in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I, guess I mean, that would be different if it was like Chicago or New York. It's not the kind of place where you just hop <laughs> on a bus. <laughs> the RTA or whatever, whatever Yeah, called. Uh Yeah. I I think when uh, you mentioned that,
1: I assumed she was not on the bus at the time, like maybe hanging out at a bar. But, oh, okay. Gotcha. I, but I don't know. Like, yeah, if, you, if you're describing her work. I just and,
0: wonder why the need to clarify that <laughs> bus driver is her occupation unless she was true. not on the job. Must have been on the job. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh yeah. <laughs> he just punches a woman on the street and somebody's yeah. like, Whoa, whoa, she's she, a bus, she's a bus driver. driver. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Easy pal.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a random place to be on a bus, for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well um anyway, should we start discussing this movie, man? Let's do it. All right. We're gonna spoil it everybody, so duck out and watch it if you don't want it spoiled. Uh, but uh, sh- do you mind holding on for just a second? I heard the doorbell ring, and I've been waiting for a package. Do you, do you mind if I go grab that?
1: Oh, uh, no, sure. Go for it.
0: All right, cool. I'll be right back. All right. All right. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm back. Hey, what was uh, in the package? Uh, So I've been waiting on this new product that supposedly can reverse hair loss in men. Oh, cool. But uh, now that I see the box, I'm noticing that one of the ingredients says morally ambiguous meat byproducts. (laughs) You think I should be concerned about that? Uh, Only if
1: if you have morals, but otherwise, (laughs) I think that's what you should be concerned about is having morals at this point. Uh, I
0: don't have any intelligence left, so my morals are all
1: I have. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't know, man. Uh, That's a small price to pay for, uh, you know,
0: beauty, I guess. Luscious head of hair. Yeah, luscious head of hair. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the film opens with our first segment, Dumplings, by Fruit Chan. The film begins with a segment featuring a woman named Mrs. Lee, who is visiting another woman known as Aunt May who is said to cook dumplings that can reverse the effects of aging and keep women looking youthful. Aunt May is played by Be Ling. We learn that Mrs. Lee was once an actress but hasn't worked in a long time, and her husband doesn't seem to be very interested in her anymore. We also learn that he has a mistress behind her back. Uh, Aunt May says she's quite old, even though she doesn't look it. Mrs. Lee soon discovers that the dumplings are made with meat, from aborted fetuses that Aunt May gets from the local hospital. Uh, and despite Mrs. Lee's disgust, she continues the routine in the hopes that her aging can be slowed. Uh, in fact, she wants an even more potent product if Aunt May can provide it. So any thoughts, just the the immediate setup and progression of the plot here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like you're getting hit with a,
1: a number of different interesting tones. Like there's the mystery on like who are these women and like what uh obviously like they're strangers and like their whole interaction is kind of strained uh and she's like curious about her Uh, i love bay ling's character as like on uh what's her name on uh on TV. yeah uh and like the the song that she sings like what is that like pure comedy or something like when she's like all right i'm gonna sing you a song now oh
0: yeah she's like (laughs) i like to sing for my my clients as they eat the dumplings
1: yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't tell if that was like, especially funny, but it was, it was just like really random and like added like a cool depth to the character. And then uh, the sound uh, editing here really jumps out when she's eating the dumplings and kind of grosses you out. I Like, I, I think you kind of get the sense early on that, you know, it's in the dumplings. But uh, yeah, what, what, what did you think? What
0: was working for you? Yeah, I mean, there's only so many assumptions you can make about what's going on here. So it's not a huge surprise when she finds out what's in them, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. My biggest takeaway too was the sound design. The crunchy. That has been the thing that is the most likely to gross me out about horror movies lately. <laughs> and
1: mission accomplished here. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I know. Those those some uh, like really like hard crunches going on. Uh, yeah, and a lot of like just
0: mouth noises.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it works really
0: well. Yeah. Um where are we? So Aunt May does provide Mrs. Lee with this more potent product, which she so desires. Uh, She achieves this from the meat of a baby, a baby boy, which is very rarely aborted in China. Sorry, I just spaced that again. I'm so dumb (laughs) in this
1: episode.
0: (laughs) I was like, wait, did I already tell them it was fetuses? (laughs) But yeah, so this is the meat of a baby boy, which is very rarely aborted in China. It's also the oldest fetus she's yet required. So, it being old and a boy is going to make it more potent. Uh, this one, by the way, was acquired by a black market abortion that Aunt May performed herself on a teenage girl whose mother brought her to Aunt May, which we saw that take place. We later learned that this teenager was impregnated by her own father and she bled out on the way home from. Aunt May's black market abortion, dying in the streets of Hong Kong with her mother weeping over her. The stronger treatment does seem to increase Mrs. Lee's sex drive as her and her husband make love for the first time in a very long time. <laughs> she He asks for some water <laughs> right before they're about to have sex and she grabs a glass and is about to give it to him but then drinks it herself and drools it into his mouth. And he's like really into it. <laughs> Is this like a cultural thing that we're not aware of, or do you do that? Is this a thing that I'm just on I the outside? on? I, yeah, I'm curious. I <laughs> feel
1: <laughs> <laughs> like we should try this before we <laughs> pass any judgment here, but uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it, uh, it's, it seemed to work. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to our wives being like, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. okay so that was a weird moment but they they have love she drills some water in his mouth and he's into it Um, and then Mrs. Lee who for years has thought that she and her husband were unable to conceive she learns that she's pregnant Uh, so this these dumplings must be doing something Uh, Mrs. Lee does not seem very pleased with this news though and as the short film comes to its conclusion uh We see two things coming to a head here. The mother of the teenage girl who got the black market abortion has killed her husband in revenge for him raping their daughter, which eventually led to her accidental death at the hands of Aunt May. And uh, this brings some extra heat on Aunt May, who has to move away. And in Aunt May's absence, Mrs. Lee is desperate for some rejuvenation via these special dumplings, which is illustrated by a scene in which she sees her young self on TV And starts to cry, I think just bemoaning the loss of her youth and beauty at that young age. Mm -hmm. Um, So with this motivation for more rejuvenation in mind, she gives herself an abortion at home in the bathtub with a coat hanger. And the final shot is of Mrs. Lee once again eating dumplings, looking at the camera with a bit of a knowing look on her face. And we can only assume that these dumplings are made from her own fetus, which she aborted. Yeah. What did you think, man? Haunting and, and like, creepy
1: and disturbing. Uh, yeah, this this one uh, hit me pretty hard. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, really gross on the effects. I loved, like, all the themes that were embedded in this. thought the acting was really great, the set design, and, like, uh, I, I feel like there was, like, a lot of red used uh, between the dumplings, the shoes, uh, a lot of, like, the clothing. Um, gave it like really neat, uh, like kind of bloody feel to it. Even like all, all the blood that you saw coming out on the bus and stuff. So visually like really, uh, cool. And I, I just thought it was a great
0: story, like driven with, uh, amazing characters. But what about you? What were your thoughts? Yeah. You know, I didn't really think about this until reading more on it afterwards, but I, th- there were themes here, like relating to the boy girl population imbalance in China Mm-hmm. and tying that to women's self-image in China. At least this is what I read and I totally could see it. So you could like view the movie as China's one child policy causing more abortions of girls since boys are viewed as more advantageous. Like that policy is causing these abortions which is literally feeding the negative self-image of Mrs. Lee. Like mm. so like this gender imbalance Is feeding the negative self image of women in China because there's more men than women, you could theorize. At least I saw that theorized somewhere. And it's like literally happening in the movie, too. Like the policy causes the abortions, which causes literally feeding Mrs. Lee's desires. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. it's, It's kind of a cool commentary on that.
1: Yeah. That's fascinating. So, uh, wait, so. She is trying to stay, like, looking young so that she can uh, be appealing to her husband, which is a direct result of um, not enough—or there being not
0: enough women or too many women. Yeah, right? So I guess that is where you would have to make a leap. Like, you would have to leap in logic that since there are more men in the population— Mm-hmm. there's more pressure on women to appeal to men. I thought if there were less but men there'd be yeah, more pressure. As I'm talking through it, I'm thinking the same. Now if there were if there were less men, wouldn't that mean like you've got to compete more to get Yeah. like supply and demand, right? Right, right. So maybe yeah. that theory doesn't really I think the theory works probably in just that men are having even more of an impact on culture than they otherwise would. Sure. And perhaps participating in a more misogynistic culture than there otherwise would be if there was an equal 50-50 split. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I I think you're right. Yeah, this
1: definitely is saying something on the the abortion, the one-child rule, Uh, and the fact that,
0: yeah, you're right, like she's eating a boy to become more attractive to a man. Yeah, right. Yeah, now, this is all coming from somebody who has no understanding of Chinese culture or Chinese politics, but Ah, just something I read. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I can't take credit for it either. And sh- I wish I had written down who, who did purport that. So apologies there. But I also read there could be themes about stem cell research because that was kind of like around two early 2000s, hmm. a bit of a hubbub, and people talked about it a lot. Yeah, like, and, like the morality and stuff. of it. Oh,
1: okay. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it
0: was a very topical uh, yeah.
1: conversation back then.
0: Uh, anything with like DNA and stuff like that really around like late 90s early 2000s was very much in the zeitgeist and part of like the cultural discussion even though gattaca and all that stuff right like i don't think if you were a child back then you you may not you may have just missed out on all that right stuff being in pop culture for a while yeah it's weird that it doesn't exist that much anymore Yeah, I don't know. People just kind of figured out, yeah, stem cell research, I guess, has done some good stuff. (laughs) Leave it at that. I don't know. I think the fight is still going on in some circles. But Sure, sure. Uh, Did you like this uh, segment, though? You know, I did. Something about it just didn't grab me for some reason. I don't know why. Like, I kind of feel like nothing in particular happened to the main character. Like, she didn't really have that much of a story arc. Mm. And I know that these are shorts, so I typically have argued in the past, like, hey, man, you don't need all the stuff you normally need in a movie and an anthology. Like, I think you've pushed back on me for some things. I'm like, hey, what about the character development? <laughs> You're always so such a stickler about Brian. And I'm like, oh, you don't need it. Yeah. But these are 42 minutes on average. This is a two-hour movie with three segments. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty long segment for me to feel like not much went on with the character. Like, I don't really even think she had that much of a character arc. Hmm. You could easily argue against me here. I mean, yeah. she goes to an extreme such that she eventually is eating her own child. But right, you just don't really see her have many ups and downs or realizations it's just a gradual path that she just keeps going down and yeah and goes down it until as far as you can go down it essentially so i think that is definitely a specific type of story true yeah that makes a lot
1: of sense it makes me think that maybe the intent wasn't to like uh see how her character changes because you're right like i mean she goes from being hesitant about what she's eating to then like embracing it and like doing it herself uh not not much of a huge change Um, but I, I feel like what I felt more was the pressure and the weight that was on her between like what she was seeing her husband doing, um, seeing herself and her youth and like having feel like feeling that that's lost and then struggling with like some of the side effects. Like at one point her, her skin starts like smelling kind of fishy because of this treatment, uh, and it being like a bad, uh, product. Um, so it, it kind of, to me felt like, a more of like a, a snapshot of a of of like a, a woman and like getting in her um, shoes a bit to kind of understand like the challenges that
0: she's scoping with that that's driving her to uh, do what she's doing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I think I did some of that was just lost on me. I didn't quite connect for whatever reason.
1: Sure. I I got really lost uh, in what you just explained. Uh, that the the murder that happens there at the end. I didn't I didn't know who those two people were. Like the, these policemen just show up. And they're like two dead bodies there. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on there. I, how'd you pick up on that?
0: Oh, yeah. I don't quite under. I don't remember what the cues were to tell you that that was what was going on. But it wasn't two dead bodies. It was the woman covered in her own husband's blood, I think, oh. after she stabbed him to death.
1: Okay. Yeah, I didn't even know who that woman was.
0: Yeah, that was the mom of the woman who okay. took her teenage daughter to get the abortion.
1: And then Aunt May like has had to run. She, I
0: think she had to sp- skedaddle. because of that. I think because of that. Okay, okay. Um, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. That part of the movie, I was a little gray on as well. Yeah, uh, I agree with you that, like, lengthwise, like this did feel a little
1: bit longer than it needed to be. Uh, there, there were like certain parts where, like, it felt slow, or like it could have ended at that point.
0: Um, there's, there's some dragging going on. Yeah, well, so part of me is intrigued that there's a feature-length film. And then part of me is like, well, I already felt like this was a little long. But it does sound like there's more going on in the feature-length version.
1: Ah, okay. Side stories and stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I also couldn't help but think this is like a year after Wrong Turn, right? Which we just reviewed. Right. There are some cinematography things that really... I, it was interesting to see it across cultures, too, that just like really date... These movies. Like there was a slow motion shot of curtains blowing and then like a dissolved transition. And a few other examples too. Like there's something about, there was a slow motion close up of water boiling. Just something about the cinematography, like the framing, the depth of field, and like kind of the grittiness of everything. There's a grittiness. Yeah, for sure. It's just so interesting. It's very like saw esque. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Something about this time period, the movies just kind of felt and looked similar in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what what it is exactly, but I I hear
0: what you're saying. Did you like the score? It was pretty, like, metallic and abrasive. I I thought it fit it pretty well. Uh, I think so, too. Very ominous. I think you needed it, too, because a lot of times the musical cues were the hint of what was going on. Sure. I don't know if you'd realize there was something ominous at play. Without the music, at least it would <laughs> yeah. take you a lot longer.
1: Yeah, like while she's making dumplings and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> <Just> <laughs> if there's just like... happy music while she's making dumplings, although that could yeah. have been interesting too. Yeah, it could have made it for a different tone. Yeah, made maybe more of a surprise. Right. Right. All right. Well, zero out of five dumplings. What do you give this segment?
1: Uh, oh, we're rating each segment.
0: Uh, should we? Have yeah. we done that in the past?
1: Uh, I forget. But we can yeah, skip it if you don't want to. No, I'm I'm done. Uh, I I think I'd give this four dumplings out of uh, five. How about you?
0: Okay, I give it three dumplings out of five. Okay, I have no concrete feedback other than it felt long for how little happened to the main character. Yeah, yeah, and, and I know that's crazy. Like, oh, she's like eating dead babies, <laughs> but that's kind of all she's doing, really. And then killing her baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. I guess giving herself an abortion is a pretty big thing to happen. But right. she seems so detached. She does, yeah. Like, you're almost, like, not surprised when she's doing that. Right. Right. Nothing surprised me. I kind of knew exactly the trajectory. I think maybe that's the biggest. Okay. I knew the whole trajectory. You know, almost just from, like, the title and ominous music, you're like, okay, I see where this is all going. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's fair. And they mention early on that she can't conceive. So you kind of have a hint on that, too. Yeah. What did you think about, like, the borderline fourth wall breaking? So... Like in the bathtub, for example, after she gives herself an abortion, blood starts dripping out of her mouth Mm -hmm. and she licks it and her tongue looks almost like lizard-like. I don't know if she just has a really long tongue or if there is some CGI there. Right. And she kind of seems like she's looking at the camera and she's looking at the camera again when she's eating the dumplings. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a direct look at the audience or just like, you know, toying with that notion. I felt like that was a weird tonal choice. To suddenly at, have, yeah. Because it doesn't feel like the type of movie that should have that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's where, you know, you mentioned at the top, like there's some campiness sometimes to mm-hmm. anthologies. You wouldn't like chalk that up as like it being kind of like on the nose or campy?
0: You know, perhaps. Perhaps that is a bit of a, that does fit in well with the mood of a lot of anthologies. Right, yeah. I, Which, yeah, I had but, it in my head like this goes against the grain, but... Then the more I started thinking about this today, I was like, oh, maybe some of it fits pretty well Yeah, with the common ideas of an anthology and its playfulness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely would have picked up on that unless you just brought it up. That's interesting.
0: All right. Well, three and four. Yep. So the next segment is cut by Park Chan-wook of South Korea. Um, that last one was a Chinese film, by the way. So this one begins with a movie within a movie of a vampiric woman biting a man's neck and we soon zoom out to reveal that we're on a movie set and we meet the well-liked and hard-working director. That was a big connection. A tie. Again, I'm arguing against myself. I'm saying these aren't really tied together. There's no cohesion like in mm-hmm. most anthologies. But the sound design is a bit of a cohesive thread oh, that's between true. these two because the mouth noises of her sucking on this guy's neck mm-hmm. are very prominent in the mix and very grotesque sound design. Right, right. Very similar to the sounds in Dumplings.
1: Sure. And it it was, the whole thing is uh, one music uh, composer, right? I thought I saw different composers. Oh, for each piece? Okay. I believe so. Okay.
0: But then, yeah, thematically, that's interesting that that carries over. Yeah. Um, So after wrapping up on set, the director arrives home. I think he's at home. I was a little confused about this. Um, where we see his power mysteriously go out as a figure rushes past the camera, that was a cool moment for me when the power goes out and someone, yeah, something goes by the camera. Uh, I agree. It is soon revealed that there's an intruder in the director's home. He's uh, he's strung up the director's wife at at a piano, like with piano wire. She's kind of like sitting there in this complicated contraption of wires. Uh, He ties the director to a wall and has a young girl tied up on the director's couch. The intruder reveals himself to be an extra from all five of the director's movies, and he reveals himself comedically to be an extra by putting on the five drastically different costumes he wore on each film. And he reveals that his motivation is essentially that he's pissed that the director can be rich, handsome, successful, and a nice guy, In a way, it means he can no longer justify to himself that all successful people must have gotten there by being assholes. (laughs) Uh, And I think he wants to prove that this director isn't necessarily a great guy or that people are only as good as the circumstances they're given, Mm. uh, essentially. And so he gives the director an ultimatum. The director can undo his good guy status by strangling the little girl on the couch, or for every interval of time that he doesn't strangle this girl, the intruder will cut off one of his wife's fingers over at the piano. And we are talking about the visual, some visual similarities to Saw. This is very similar in plot. Yeah, situationally. Yeah, right? <laughs> and they were released in the same year. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I gotta think like James Wan brings some of that influence to Saw from like uh, these types of movies.
0: I wonder, but I mean these, I feel like these had to be in production around the same time, so they couldn't have influenced each other, I would think.
1: Yeah, I, I'm assuming these movies though are uh, representative of like maybe types of movies that were coming out on. Uh, right, right. They South fit Caribbean more world.
0: into just what was what was going on around that time and yeah, in the more extreme genres of film. Right. Um, so let's see, a prolonged sequence commences, in which the director can't bring himself to strangle the girl, and the wife gets several fingers cut off for each interval that the director cannot do this. At one point we see a ring roll across the room as it no longer uh, has the rest of the finger to hold it in place, Uh, and eventually the director finds the motivation to strangle a child, and in his doing so, a wig falls off the child's head to reveal that this is not a girl, but it's the intruder's son. Son. Uh, moments ago, he had earlier committed, admitted that he couldn't bring himself to kill his son before he came to the director's house. But he did kill his wife before he came. So essentially, now he's like, "Yeah, I couldn't bring myself to kill my son, but you can do it for me." <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but the director strangles the kid. The kid appears to be dead, but is later revealed to be alive. Um, And as the intruder goes to cut off the wife's last finger, he steps on the stray ring that has fallen onto the floor and slips. He lands right next to her at the piano, and she bites his exposed neck. And she really digs in and tears at his flesh with her teeth, until he eventually bleeds to death on the floor. The director, at this point, makes his way over to his wife. He's wriggled free somehow, and he's clearly delirious and thinks his wife is the child, Uh, The child, by the way, after watching his father bleed out on the floor, has avowed vengeance on the director and his wife. And the director, I assume thinking he's got to do this to presumably save himself from the child's vengeance, strangles his wife, thinking it's the kid, in his delirium, and the segment ends. That was wild. I I thought this was the most wild and eventful of the bunch. Yeah, yeah, this, this is a bonkers one. <laughs> it's, Very bonkers. It's kind of
1: a, yeah, right. Uh, hey, w- what was this, uh, there were, like, the, the whole uh, hostage situation, they were on a movie set, right? They were no longer at the house anymore?
0: That's what I was so confused about. So the guy, like, we see him, like, drive home, yeah. and it seems like he's in his house, right, because he, like, goes to the fridge for a drink and walks down the hall, but then you see, like, this Behind the scenes stuff where his house looks like it's a set, and there's other stuff off the set that is like warehousey in right. its setting. And and what's there? So I was really confused. Like, are they on a movie set or are they at his house? What's
1: uh, so? Remember the beginning? He's on the movie set, and then he's like talking about how it's like modeled off of his house. Uh, oh, I think what happened. Like my my guess is. Uh, this guy attacked him and his wife at the house and then brought them to the movie set, which is staged to look exactly like his house. That's, that was my guess.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: But yeah, uh, yeah. Otherwise that was like really weird. Cause even the rope he's tied to is like leading to outside the walls of the house and like tied to like a outside wall or something.
0: Okay. So like he presumably knocks the director unconscious, takes him back to the set where yeah. he's got the wife and kid tied but- up.
1: That's the only thing I can think of,
0: yeah. All right, that makes a lot of sense. I missed that line about um about the set being modeled after the guy's house.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's something he said like oh yeah, we got that we got it looking just like home. Um yeah, yeah, really really interesting. Yeah, it, it kind of uh, this one uh yeah,
0: I imagine like what's the interpretation here? Like what, what do you think this one's about? I didn't really find much of a theme in it, although I mean it's an interesting thing to examine like human nature right and, like well and it's true i think too if you're born into circumstances that are miserable you don't always have the luxury of being a good person mm. and i think that was the theme here and class class clashes and stuff like that yeah a theme in a lot of anthologies too and i'm i'm Maybe I'm trying to fit a uh, circle into a square or whatever the expression is by constantly comparing this to other anthologies. But morality tales are common. like mm. the come of somebody who deserves it. It is revealed that both the director and his wife were unfaithful to each other. but I don't know that this has the feel of like a come up story like or a come up in story rather. Like mm. Creep show has stories about truly evil people like getting what's finally coming to them this doesn't strike me as that. Yeah, I agree. It's not like so black and white. Um,
1: and I I thought it was more around like the false pretense pretense that this guy had where like this guy is a good human and like hasn't done anything bad. And then like, you know, yeah, you dig into anyone, you find that, oh yeah, they, they have made mistakes or they have like done bad things or whatever. Um, so yeah, I thought it was more about that perception that like maybe Uh, people try to have an impression of like being a really nice person or like act one
0: way when, uh, they they might not actually be that way or something. Sure. Right. How about the camera work on this thing, man? There were so many cool like zoom ins and zoom outs. Yeah. And like the, even just the simple tracking shot following the director as everyone's talking to him. Right. The camera in this one just works so differently and so smoothly. Lots of unique camera movement. made it really interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Kept it uh, it flowing. Um also, what do you think of this the setting and like the the whole like the way the room was set up with the piano strings going up.
0: That was pretty rad. I didn't necessarily understand the mechanics of how she was tied up, but it right. looked like disturbingly beautiful. It was like this yeah. spider web that she was in the middle of with her mascara running down her cheeks and like you know, a cloth tied up around her mouth. It was a very haunting but like really well composed visual. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. Also,
1: thought the the room design was really cool. It it did look pretty, uh, stylic, stylistic. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it really neat looking room. Yeah, I found it had a bit of a comedic tone at points too. A yeah. comedic tone. <laughs> I cannot speak. Um, but like this guy, he tries on all these different outfits as the extra <laughs> yeah. to like see if he can jog the director's memory. Yep. So it has a black comedy feel. This one, to me, felt the most like a typ- what I typically expect from an anthology. Like, sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. Good good pacing, Uh, like really interesting scenario and setup. And right. uh, yeah, I feel like the editing and his costumes and stuff, like the way it was, it was cut, like made it like a lot of fun and interesting.
0: There's also a moment where the intruder walks by the dummy that was used in the earlier <laughs> film. It's like, <gasps> was, like scared oh. for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or like the blending of the... Doesn't he blend one of his wife's fingers? Uh, yeah, he blender? does, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's some like gross stuff going on here. It's too. pretty gross, yeah. But then there's also yeah. like some playful music here and there. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think there was a screen transition that was him like throwing the axe down to chop one of her fingers. I think they used yeah. that as a transition. Which reminded me of the page turn transitions in Creepshow. Um, I'm probably way too focused on trying to tie this back to our <laughs> Creepshow episode, but sure, I, that that stuck out to me. I, you don't see that all the time. So sure, yeah, that was I I couldn't cool help but wonder if that was a bit of an homage.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, did uh, I kind of lost it at the end when uh, he is delusional now, or like, yeah, he's lost his bearings
0: and doesn't know who? Like that. That didn't seem right, did it? That felt like a bit of a jump that he would all of a sudden just become so delusional <laughs> that he couldn't tell the difference between his wife and the kid. Right. Yeah. That was, that was a little bit of shock. Or, I mean, if you could, if you wanted to read it as like, okay, after all this talk of infidelity, he was ready to kill his wife. And he like finally like really tore into his wife too. Like oh, made it yeah. sound like he kind of <laughs> right. hated his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, he was just buying into it now. Right. And the whole yeah. thing was like, the intruder's point was like, if you're given the, you know, if you're pushed hard enough or put in the right circumstances, anybody can do something horrible. And maybe mm. this was him doing that and just murdering his wife. But Oh, so that like, yeah, the intruder pretending won. Pretending he, he, yeah, I don't know though. I don't know. Yeah. Either way he killed, he's either killing a kid or killing his wife. Sure. Yeah. So the intruder won in a way. Yeah. Yeah. He broke him, I guess. Uh, that yeah, was a cool reveal that it was the guy's son,
1: too. I know. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. That was great. She's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's just some girl I found on the street. <laughs> 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 it's his son. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: really appreciated the comedy aspects of this one. Same, same. By the way, the cinematography here was done by Chung Hoon Chung, uh, and he shot many other films, including It from 2017, Zombieland Double Tap, and Last Night in Soho, as well wow. as working with Park Chan-wook on a lot of his films, too. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Great cinematographer here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, zero to five
1: failed child murder attempts. Uh, again, I'd give this one four failed child murder attempts. Uh, just uh, well-paced, really cool setup. Reminded me a lot of Saw. And, uh, yeah, loved like the visual components uh, of it as well as the comedic aspects.
0: How about you? i give it a four as well. Again, the pacing, like you said, I would echo. Very smooth and... Fast-paced, exciting, suspenseful as well, and that cinematography just really helped to keep everything moving and feeling fluid, so that Mm -hmm. was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Um, The next segment is Box by Takashi Miike uh, from Japan, and in this segment we meet Kyoko, a novelist who has frequent nightmares about a tragic event from her childhood as a circus performer. She performed with her twin sister Shoko with a man named Higata. Higata seemed to show Shoko more favor than Kyoko, and Kyoko was jealous. There also seemed to be an inappropriate sexual relationship going on between Higata, who was a grown man, and Shoko, who was a 10-year-old. One day, while Kyoko and Shoko were practicing their routine, where they fit their bodies into a tiny box that is then locked, kind of like a magic trick, Kyoko shoves Shoko into the box and locks her in there in a fit of jealousy and anger. Higata walks in on this and in the chaos that ensues, Kyoko accidentally knocks over a kerosene lamp that ignites the box that Shoko is trapped in. Higata runs to the box to save her and Kyoko runs from the burning circus tent as Higata and Shoko die in the blaze within the tent. Uh, This is a recurring nightmare that Kyoko has and some of the paranoia stemming from this nightmare bleeds into her real life where she keeps seeing visions of Shoko, and she also can't help but think that her publisher looks exactly like Haggadah. Uh And one day, everything's a bit, like, dreamy here, so I was a little lost on mm-hmm. how we got here, but one day she appears to be back at the circus tent in reality as an adult, and she finds the burn box and a living Higata. Higata forces her to wash, watch as her burned sister partially emerges from the box Higata then wraps Kyoko in plastic shoves her in the box and buries her as he says that her and her sister cannot exist one without the other It is revealed however that this is yet another nightmare and Kyoko wakes up to reveal to us the viewers that in actuality all of this is a dream also and Kyoko is a conjoined twin to Shoko and they have been together since birth then they leave the house to meet uh, their publisher, or maybe just Kyoko's publisher, who is essentially Higata. Mm-hmm. Uh It is kind of the same person that she's visualized into this dream. Yeah. Did you think this truly was a dream, and she is a conjoined twin, or was this just kind of a weird, like, thematic <laughs> uh, symbol of they're always together, and it's like she's a part of her even though they aren't really they're just like psychically conjoined and the past circus stuff really happened uh honestly that that last scene i just
1: like just so lost uh that i i just kind of like gave up and i'm like all right oh this is just like supposed to like look really cool or be creepy or ominous uh i didn't i couldn't like uh, i think i'd lost my bearing on like what was Really happening versus what was uh, a dream. I didn't. I didn't think it was
0: real though. But uh, that is the real story: is that like she, she turns out to be conjoined. I think it sounds like the reality is she is a conjoined twin who's just having these nightmares. And a writer yep. though, and oh, a the same... writer. The, the oh, okay. she's really a novelist. She's also a conjoined twin, and these are just dreams she has about this fake past as circus performers. Huh. But I also thought it could be interpreted as that past circus stuff really did happen mm-hmm. uh her being back at the box and tent as an adult was a dream and when she wakes up we just see a visual of her that is not reality but is a representation of the way she feels like she's always permanently bound to her sister sure that seems yeah more realistic I don't know. I, I kinda like that second one better, but I have a feeling yeah. the first one is the truth, that it's all just a pretend dream. Like there yeah. was no circus. If if that if that is
1: true though, then like what about those early scenes where it's she's like meeting with her editor and stuff
0: and uh, she isn't a conjoined twin. Right, yeah. Maybe we're just not seeing the reality um mm. of the situation. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe the second way is correct. Maybe she's just Imagining. Imagining herself permanently conjoined to her sister.
1: Yeah. Because it seemed
0: like her sister still looked young. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like she
1: was like a grown woman and her sister was like still young. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: maybe the circus stuff really did happen. And that's just a visual representation of how Kyoko feels every day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thought provoking. Uh, It is. It is. Yeah. This this was a, a slow one, wasn't it? It was, man. I broke this one up into two parts. I was falling asleep and couldn't finish the movie, so I turned it off (laughs) and came back. So maybe that I always really like to watch our movies in one go if I can, but I don't know. that Maybe this contributes to my review, but I just felt like this one, I couldn't get my feet on the ground to wrap my head around what was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things, too, where, It's deliberately... It's not just that I wasn't understanding the movie, but it's deliberately dreamy, and you're not meant to know what's real and what's a dream. And that's just not my favorite type of narrative. Right. Um, I also do feel like it was pretty uneventful for being 42 minutes, not knowing what reality was, not having a whole lot happen until she, you know, appears in front of the burn box as an adult. Mm -hmm. So... Very artfully done, and I understand the respect that this director has. Uh, I'm interested to see his other stuff. In addition, to I guess I've already seen audition, but I don't. I just I didn't dig this one necessarily that much. How about you?
1: Yeah, no, I, I felt the same way. Uh, and it's hard because like this is the third one, and I, I was feeling very similar, like pretty tired uh, at this point. And like suddenly, like you go from kind of like a fast paced, like fun one. To this very slow, drawn out one, which I I think is it's a cool vibe and like very uh, the the visual aspect, the cinematography is like really cool. It's a lot of snow and like quietness, Um, and so it's like kind of a haunting story there. But yeah, just no idea kind of what's really happening versus what's uh, in her head or a dream. And we see like the same sequence repeated a few times. Um, I I did like the I you know I got excited because I I thought we are seeing like a ghost walking around the halls with uh, the the little girl. Uh, but, yeah, now I'm wondering if that that was probably just a, something imagined, right?
0: Yeah, I, I I guess so. I was excited, too, because I was like, okay, we're going to get, like, the typical... J-Or. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're going to get, like, some typical Japanese ghost story type stuff. Yeah, uh, right. that That is not what we got here. And I do wonder if I would have liked the movie, the whole thing, better if this was positioned as, like, the second one or something like that. Yeah. I, I feel like these were not in the correct order. Uh, Yeah. G- did you read uh,
1: when this was originally released, uh, it was in a different order, and this one I think was first? Was it really? Yeah. I think only in America when it came here like, did it come out in this order. Um, otherwise, yeah, this one wasn't supposed to be
0: lost, I think. I think this would have worked much better as the first one. Yeah. kind yeah. It gets your brain firing, gets you a little provoked, but it's slow. Yeah. And then things start picking up with dumplings and then come to yeah. the crescendo with cut. I agree. I agree. That yeah, would have been the better order. Yeah. That would have worked a lot better for me too, yeah. Uh, I agree. I mean, a very artful. And and the performances throughout this whole thing, each one of the segments I thought were great. Mm-hmm. The Cinematography was great through all of them. They were all very artfully made, including this one. But yeah, just didn't really grab onto what was going on here. Mm-hmm. Zero to five uh, ghosts in a box what would you give this one
1: yeah I might only have to go two and a half ghosts in the box I really appreciate what they were trying to do here uh, it's, it's a really like deep uh, storytelling but um yeah it's just a little too vague for me how about
0: you I'm right there with you man it was just yeah a little too vague a little too dreamy to be 42 minutes long yeah yeah want a little something more
1: right <laughs> a little more in there. Uh yeah but but I don't know it's it's, it's interesting that like neither of us can kind of really uh, tell what happened there it's a, interesting how like obscure it is
0: right right and i i do i can appreciate an open ended and up for interpretation ending even though it's not my favorite thing in the world right yeah same. Uh, what did you think then of the movie as a whole Are you it's uh, you were pretty up on these first two segments four yeah. Both of yeah. I mean, I, I appreciated the movie, man. Like,
1: uh, I feel like so many anthologies and horror films that we watch are so focused on the jump scare or like the quick uh, sound effects to scare you. Uh, this one, I felt like it was great psychological horror, more more like focused on interesting characters being put in interesting situations and testing the boundaries of human behavior and, and moral ground. So I, I thought it was a very like kind of complex film and showcased some really uh, disturbing things that, uh, felt, you know, somewhat realistic for the most part. Um, so I, I appreciate it, man. I I had a really good time, uh, with most of the stories here, just pacing for me was an issue. Um, but otherwise, like I I thought it was a really cool mix
0: of movies. What about you? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot too. Uh, Um, I thought everything was really well done. I enjoyed it less than you essentially just dumplings was well done. And I'm interested in, learning more about that director and everything. But like I said, it just felt a little unconsequential or nothing surprised me about it. Like I felt like both dumplings and box didn't necessarily have much of a story. And to me, that's the beauty of a short is that you don't have to have a fully fleshed out story and you can just focus on an idea, a theme or a mood or the scares essentially. Um, but those were just pretty long to to, to have only be focused on, like, an idea or a mood or whatever. Like, I feel like Dumplings is just focused on the idea of, like, oh, eating babies and the theme tied to the politics there. And the last one, Box, just kind of felt focused on a general mood almost, right? Like, yeah. it was just kind of a vibe. Um, and it, at a t- total of two hours, it just felt like there were – too many moments of dullness when I typically think of anthologies as a bit like zippier than a typical movie because you, you know you've got these short punch filled little clips but these were pretty long um, so yeah, I think most, I was just looking for a little something more from each one considering its length
1: most anthologies are like four or five films at least right and that, that's why they're a little shorter
0: Yeah, right. I'd I'd say four or five films and a a runtime less than two hours for most anthologies. Got it. Yeah, yeah someone
1: had the math wrong here it's funny to, to <laughs> it's funny to hear a critique though about like the lack of like story or plot on some of these uh, I just think about uh, your love for Father's Day <laughs> yeah but, <laughs> <laughs> but that but one it, was a very short one right yeah
0: again Father's yeah. Day was probably like 20 minutes long <laughs> and it had a lot of like camp and kills and blood and like uh, zombies it was a lot of something. There was fun going on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh yeah, I don't know. I just feel there yeah. wasn't enough enough there for me to, to grab onto. And dumplings especially, like that premise is really interesting, but I just feel like it could have capitalized on it more somehow. Like I know it essentially went to the ultimate extreme, but it just wasn't anything crazy unexpected.
1: Mm. Were, I think I for me the unexpected parts of that were like uh the characterizations of like uh Bai, bai Ling's character like uh the the singing that she randomly does or just her whole like kind of I, I thought they captured I think you were saying that director does a really great job of catching uh or capturing the you know the working class in in Hong Kong and so I, I thought they did a really good job of like capturing who these people are some of their behaviors um and then, uh, oh, I thought they did throw in, like, some complexity to the story with, like, you know, it's not just that she's eating kids, but she eats one uh, that's, like, you know, kind of, um, you know, came from, like, a, a pretty, like, um, a, a woman who had been raped by her father, right? Um, right. And, like, yeah. what effect that has on her. And then the whole storyline between her and the husband. So I thought it was, like, throwing in, like, little complexities, uh, despite, like, at the high level, to your point, like, not a lot going on from, like, the main
0: plot line. Sure. Right. Right. And I, it's funny. This film is called Three Extremes. I don't think it's like too intense for what we've seen in other movies. It's not yeah. necessarily over the top, but we there's some two of the stories seem to involve incest. Like one of them has a woman eating her own child, which she aborts. Like I think the subject matter is more taboo and extreme. Yeah. Sure.
1: Wait, two of them uh, involved in that? What's the, what's the I, second
0: one? It seemed to be implied to me that Hikata and the child were. Maybe it wasn't incest. I, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be their father oh, yeah. or not. But yeah, it was know, an inappropriate sexual relationship, it seems.
1: Sure. I, yeah, I couldn't tell that either. At first, I did think it was the father, but then when I was reading, it was like now nah, he's the showrunner or something. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: right. But yeah, pro- probably something off there. Yeah, he may not have been the father, but yeah. But either way, not a good. Yeah, not a good relationship. Not a healthy behavior. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: the theme, though, that that I thought connected all these that I, I, I thought um, was uh, something uh, cool is uh, all of these were about women. Um, well, the second one not so much, but all of these uh, you saw women in distress or uh, coming under attack or putting themselves in dangerous situations. Uh, due to um, yeah, trying to get the attention of a man or because of uh, the relationship they are, they're in with a man. Um, that And then second, I thought show business played an element in, across all three as well. Um, so you don't think there's something like overall thematic here that ties to the title?
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, show business, <laughs> as we call <laughs> it in the biz, <laughs> <Yeah>. really <laughs> does, that's probably the most they have in common, right? The first one has to do with the She's woman an being actress. an actor yeah, yeah, an actress. second one is a director, and then the third one is circus performers. Right, right. Yeah. Everyone's was- like a performer or, or artist in some way. Yeah. I thought that was a strange coincidence. Yeah, no, that no, is. Sure Interesting. That, like, it, yeah. Sure yeah, and then two it. at least two of them have women competing for the affections of a man.
1: Yeah, and then if you look at the wife's role in the second one, I mean, she's being tortured because of the husband. But, yeah, I get that she's not exactly the main character, though.
0: Yeah, right, and they're unfaithful to each other. I, yeah, I don't think the theme ties into that one quite as strongly. Mm, yeah. Unfaithfulness, does that stretch across all three? Um. No, not the third one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Mission but, accomplished, though. I think you found some stuff, some ties. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Something in there. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what was your. Do you, are you doing the rating for the whole movie, too? Yeah. Yeah. You ready? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Zero to five severed fingers. Uh, I think I'm going to go three and a half severed fingers. Uh, interesting storytelling. Um, and then, yeah, pacing. I, I think to your point, pacing was the biggest weakness of this. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'd say three out of five severed fingers, despite two segments that left story opportunities on the table. The interesting ideas in each, paired with the exciting and dynamic middle segment, make mm. it worth a watch. Yeah, that middle one really pops. This <laughs> That thing pops. I, I love that one a lot. Yeah. I, I'm tempted to give it higher than a four, but yeah. uh, that, that was my gut reaction afterwards. But thanks to Bang Bang Bill, this was something I probably wouldn't watch of my own accord. I think we need to do more foreign horror. We hadn't done any Asian horror, I don't think, since Pulse, which was like our fourth episode. Didn't we do Ringo at one point? Or was that mm, pre- No, no, wow. we never did Ringu. That was before uh, we started the podcast. Damn, that's crazy. I don't think we've done another Asian horror movie.
1: Oh, what about uh, the one uh, that you liked, though? somewhere to the Evil Dead.
0: I think it was like Thailand oh, and Malaysian. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, May the Devil Take You. Right. Was that Malaysian? That's Indonesian. Indonesian. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah, that's crazy. Should do more of this. Yeah. Yeah, we should. We should. I I think more foreign horror in general. I know we've got a listener named Nico too who's always pulling for us to do more foreign horror, so. Yeah. Try to get more on that. And I I want to keep our episode mix such that people can usually listen to like every other or every three episodes even if they don't need to go watch a movie like I want to try to get stuff that's in the zeitgeist that people have seen because we spoil things like Mm -hmm. I don't want people to always have a homework assignment but at the same time it's nice to mix in stuff like this too yeah it's a good exercise to expose people to new stuff too yeah right and I don't want to like lose listeners because we just get into so much obscure stuff but at the same time I feel like our listenership too has come up with us a little bit and is now maybe a little bit more ready to, like, seek stuff out just because we're covering it. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. We'll see. (laughs) So (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I'd like to mix in more obscure stuff here and there, so we'll see how how that goes.
1: All right, as long as it's uh, after the year 1990, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, cool.
0: Before that. It gets really rough. I know. <laughs> I'm so confused about what year it is, even. So oh, yeah, I'll try true. to process that, <laughs> process that after this recording. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else, man? Uh, that's all I got. All right. That has been our episode on three extremes. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, if you want to connect with us, go to horrormovieclub.com. You can find social links there in the social links drop down. Facebook and Twitter is where we announce what we're covering next week. Also, Instagram. We're on Instagram as Horror Movie Club Podcast now. Uh, if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, uh, go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the big orange button for a dollar a month. You can get some bonus content. We just recorded our first video, a little behind the scenes video of our recording setups and stuff. So, we're going to put that out there. That will probably be out there by the time you hear this. Let's see. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. You can always email us, uh, good old-fashioned email at horror movie club, Wait, podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And until next time, I'd advise everyone to accept your aging body for what it is. It's beautiful in its own way, and uh, you had your time in the sun. <laughs> we can't all be bailing. Yeah, looking I that way for fifty years. <laughs> for 50 I think years. it was fifty years between these two movies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's what
1: it comes down to. <laughs>